Welcome to the Seeing Stories podcast. My name's Maria Watton, and I'm a traditional storyteller and fiction writer. And this podcast is all about stories, traditional stories, fictional stories, societal stories, and poetic narratives. And today, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about dogs. Dogs have inspired stories and poetry for thousands of years, and today I'm going to be discussing them with the poet Matt Black. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Matt Black. Um, He's a poet and a playwright, and his most recent collections are Tales from the Leaking Boot by Iron Press, Spoon Rebellion, published by Smith Doorstop, The Owl and the Pussycat and the Turtles of Fun, published by Two Rivers Press. Um, Matt was also Derbyshire Poet Laureate from 2011 to 2013, and his commissions include work with Symphonia Viva Orchestra, poems um, etched into glass for Ashbourne Library, Um, and also carved into 12 milestones around Derbyshire. His collection, Goblins in the Fridge, is a Poetry Society's children's bookshelf choice. The poet, Ian Macmillan, said about Matt's poetry that it shows poetry can be a healing art, a celebratory art, and an art that can best illuminate the times we live in. And I would concur with Ian McMillan on that because Matt is a regular poet at my Once Upon a Wednesday uh, Zoom sessions. And I have to say, this, um, this session that I host and curate... Um, is full of storytellers and poets and singers. But when Matt Black comes on and performs his poetry, I always look at the audience. And when I'm looking at the audience as Matt's performing, I can see them visibly relaxing, smiling and enjoying this crazy kind of world that Matt brings to us with wordplay and Um, with ideas and considerations that help us see the world in a new light. And as a performer, Matt is really affecting. He brings warmth and joy. So I am delighted today to be talking to Matt about his show, The Snoopy Question, which is all about dogs, and also about a new poetry book, which is called, in a very mad style, Sniffing Lampposts by Moonlight. What a great title. Matt Black. Are you there? I'm here, Maria. Hi. Grand. Hi. Good to hear you. Um, So let's start off with those two things, Matt. You show the Snoopy question and... Sniffing lampposts by moonlight. You know what? I'm going to ask you to dive straight in. Would you give us an excerpt from one of those, your choice, whether it be from your book or your performance? Yeah, I'll give an excerpt from my book, which... Grand, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so um, one of the things that's gone into this book, as well as 
uh, poems of affection and celebration for um, dogs that I know, in particular our family pet Lola, um, is also uh, poems which I've written from reading about dogs and recent research. Um, yeah. And this poem is a poem about feral dogs or village dogs or street dogs, as they're sometimes known. And uh, something like 85% of the dogs in the world are actually feral dogs, which is uh, something that really struck me as extraordinary. Um, obviously, in this country, we're used to dogs as primarily being part of our human lives. But all around the world, there are lots and lots of feral dogs. So this is a poem uh, in the voice of a feral dog, having uh, read various bits of research about how they actually are. And personally, I'm always quite wary of feral dogs and slightly scared of them. Um, and that's something that I explore in this poem a little bit, as well as how they really are. So it's called Feral. I didn't have much choice. The humans left me behind. But I'm good now. Found my groove. Macadies, burger bars, low-impact lifestyle. I like it unplugged, offline, letting go. Got myself a ventilator shaft for the winter. Nice little friendship group. We sniff around town together. Read the P-mails. Just chill out. You've got to stay cool, be smart. And I prefer this, the outdoor life. Off-grid, off-collar, no walkies. It's not easy for the mums, I know. And having no vets is a tough one. But we don't have to be polite. Don't have to stay clean all the time. We eat the odd rat, but nothing big. We're not wolves. That's so stupid. Bit of snarl and bite sorts it out. We don't want anything heavy. Anyway, think of what humans do. Bloody cheek. And how they skirt round us with those scared looks that say, Sorry, you're too close to wild. We don't trust you, want you, love you anymore. What are you? Not for us. Go away. Psh. <laughs> That's great. That's great poem. I, now, I, that is a poem, Matt, that I've not heard before. Um, so that's new to me. And actually, it reminds me of, have you ever read Tom Gunn's poem about dogs? Oh, a very long time ago. I have, yes. And I remind me. I can't, you know what? The, yeah. It's um, where I think the dog, the dog. It's so it's first, first person or first dog. <laughs> I first don't dog, yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Um, and the dog is kind of sniffing around and examining um, the, the the master, and um, also you know sniffing sniffing other dogs' um, yeah. excrement, shall we say, and stuff like that. But you know. Anyway, there are lots of poets like Stevie Smith, yeah. uh, T.S. Eliot, Dylan Thomas, Siegfried yeah. Sassoon. Yeah. All these writers wrote about dogs. Why did you want to write about dogs? Well, I started to write a poem in a idle sort of way about our dog Lola. 
And just as part of the process of writing it, uh, I Googled, uh, I, be- I sort of looking at her and thinking that thought that you sometimes have when you look at animals and think, God, I'm never going to begin to understand mm. what it's like mm. being an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. And so I Googled um, the domestication of dogs because I, th- I looked at her and I thought, how on earth did this creature who used to be a wolf end up having such a intimate relationship with with us with humans and i thought i really want to find out a little bit more about that journey um and instantly i was into a fascinating world about the story of the domestication of dogs which they they don't really understand how it works but they've got a They've got a theory which is that essentially uh, the wolves that dogs evolved from carried a friendship genome and they probably approached humans who were gathered together, smelt good food and gradually became confident enough to hang around a bit and see how that went if if they were friendly in return so if 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 the dogs were friendly and the humans were friendly and gradually that evolved um but it's a it's a fascinating story uh and i could tell it in great detail but i'm not going to uh but also over the last 20 years 25 years there's been a huge amount of research done into dogs which has taught us lots and lots about what dogs are, are really like what and and some people use the word dogginess. What is their dogginess? Uh, rather, mm. rather than just being pets, you know, they have, you know, they do like certain smells. They do like certain textures. They do like doing certain things the way they like doing them. And we have to be careful if we have a dog that we respect their difference as dogs, even though they have come a long way towards us. Yeah, you you were working last year, weren't you, Matt, with um, some um, animal researchers? Do you want to say a bit about that? Yeah, I was. I, I think that was in Liverpool, wasn't it? In Liverpool, it was in Liverpool, and they are people who do fascinating uh, research into the psychology of dogs. Um, you know, the languages that dogs use, they use their ears, they use their tails, they use their smelling pee, they use, they, they've got so many languages, they've got body language and a very, very sophisticated set of languages that they use. Um, and and they do all sorts of dogs research. They do research into 19th century dogs in Paris and turnpike dogs they used to be dogs that used to uh turn wheels to make um things go round a bit like you know how you have a, a belt on a on a lathe they used to have dogs who used to do the job of turning turning um turning the spit sometimes um mm. so there's a multitude of uh research going on about dogs um at the moment Yeah, we're fascinated by them, aren't we, I think, as human beings? I mean, I haven't got a dog of my own. I'd love to have a dog, but, you know, 
I have got quite serious allergies, so it makes me quite sad that I can't I can't have a dog, but I know you have. What do you think people get from being um a, a dog owner? Oh golly. Um they get all the things that you hear about. They get the um a lot of people talk about the unconditional love. And one of the poems in the book is a poem that I wrote from things that were have been said about their dogs by people who are have long-term mental health issues and mm. who have chosen to have dogs as part of their way of looking after themselves. And they talk about a number of aspects, but they talk about how their dogs don't judge them how their dogs are always there for them about how their dogs look at them about how tactile they are uh, about a sense of responsibility that they give to you uh, Mm. about the pleasure they get from the freedom that a dog shows when they're particularly when they're out on a walk or having fun uh, their mischief so but but it's that thing I, for me and oh well there's one wonderful line somebody said was uh they are less complicated than my family uh, oh isn't that marvelous oh, i think that's an amazing thing to be saying about um why people love dogs yes true companions you know um during the time that we've all been in lockdown etc and a lot of people have been isolated um i think that you know i've known several people who've actually got a dog during that time and and it's been the dog that has really helped their their well-being um has have given them great companionship and certainly love. And I think you can't underestimate really how important a, a dog can be in your life, really. I, I have to I have to do this, you know, by going to other people's houses and I can't get to um, I can't right, get to right. other people's houses. <laughs> it's, it's so sad. But they're also, you know, dogs also, I think, it, from me as a storyteller, yeah. um, they are there are so many extraordinary stories yeah. um you know if you think about the the dogs in in greek mythology yeah. for yeah. example yeah. you've got cerberus cerberus you know yeah. the three-headed dog um yeah. which guards well, the underworld yeah. in, interestingly three-headed in some accounts and 50-headed in others yeah 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 so, but certainly t- terrifying yeah, terrifying um, yeah, creature. Yeah. And yet, and I love this, in that story where Orpheus, who's lost his wife, she's died, she's been bitten by a snake, and he's so desperate um, for her love, he goes mm. down to Hades mm. and he plays, because he's a musician, isn't he? He plays his flute and it's Cerberus, you know, Cerberus suddenly turns into this almost like a puppy, you know, rolls onto his back and wants to be tickled kind of thing, you know. And so you see this other side of of that dog, even in Hades, even in the land of shadows. And, and the other thing I was thinking, Matt, is 
uh, talking of the Greek mythology, there's also that wonderful moment in the Odyssey when Ulysses returns and you know, he is this, like, he, he looks decrepit. He's been through all these yeah. tempests and yeah. wars. No one recognises him, not his, not, not anybody. His slaves don't recognise him. The only creature that recognises him is his dog. And we get this yeah. g- gorgeous moment where the, where, where the dog, where Ulysses' dog... In fact, I've got a bit here from him. Can I just did read it the... after ten years? I think he's been away ten years when his dog still recognises him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah please do. And and he, there's just a tie a tie. This is a tiny bit. It's actually from a translation by Alexander Pope. Right. Um, so he it 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 goes like this. Unfed, unhoused, neglected on the clay, like an old servant now cashiered he lay, touched with resentment of ungrateful man and longing to behold his ancient lord again, him, when he saw he rose and crawled to meet, it was all he could, and fawned and kissed his feet, seized with dumb joy, then falling by his side, Owned his returning lord, looked up and died. The dog, once he's, he's waited all this time yeah. patiently for his master's return, yeah. and um, and then sadly dies. Yeah, and there's the wonderful story longing. of um, Greyfriars Bobby. Do you know, uh, yeah, I love in, that story. In, oh, love it, yeah. In Edinburgh, who lay on his master's grave for years after he died. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, when you and I were um, doing our shows, you did the Snoopy question and I, I was touring City of Dogs and we did some of those shows together. I remember when we'd have conversations about that, We'd be finding you couldn't stop seeing it, could you? Might you know no. <laughs> this story, that story in the yeah. news, yeah. in the past, yeah. in history. Yeah. Um, I mean, I re- I remember coming across that story about poor little Laker, the Russian dog, oh, who went round in orbit. Oh, it's oh, tragic! It's been really tragic. I know, I know. I wanted to write a poem about Laker, but. It never arrived, but I think maybe it was just too tragic for me to face. Um, yeah, and I, I I told a little bit of that in my show, and uh, I every loved time I did that, the way you did that in that show, I remember. Yeah, yeah, because the because the vehicle that they put that poor little dog in was yeah. no bigger than a, a kind of small washing machine. Yeah. It was it was actually extremely cruel. And I also remember researching about the scientists who were part of that and it played on their conscience yeah. for years after. Yeah. So, you know, so it should. Well, I tell you what, on that very point, what about would you be willing to do a little bit from the Snoopy question for us? Have you got a bit of the show? Yeah, that'd that you... be fun. Um, so the Snoopy question is a show. The central character really tells the story of how I became obsessed with writing about dogs. But then it does that old trick uh, that writers exaggerates it. So the central character ends up thinking that he might be going to turn into a dog, um, 
having become obsessed with dogs and thinking that dogs have the answers to everything. Uh, mm. And so I'll do just a little bit from the show, which is um, a moment when he's sort of just getting on to the, the wave of uh, obsession and uh, and um, he so this is this is just a short bit from the show. I'll do a bit without. Um, it is actually the first moment that happens during this little bit where he thinks that he may already be partly dog. Mm. About this time, I start some experiments. It's September. I spend a whole week lying on the duvet in the bedroom with Lola, having a good snooze and a scratch. I call it research. I look down at her. She's curled by my feet. I wonder if she's really depressed if she wants to be out in the park. I have a go at doing everything that she does. When cars go past outside, I lift my head, quick twitch, then drop my head back down to sleep. I start to wonder what it would be like being a dog, how much simpler and less hassle. Dogs don't have to keep on writing poems or going to literary events or worrying about calorie intake or the ongoing privatisation of the National Health Service. It's when the Amazon delivery man comes to the front door one Thursday that it happens for the first time. <coughs> am already partly dog, aren't I? I wonder what percentage. I can feel it inside this wilder, more natural person I could be. If only Lola could teach me. I think that's a good uh, moment to end mm. that short yeah. extra. Yes, I, th I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Lola inspired you to write the show, didn't she? Yeah, she was the person. Well, no, she was the dog. That's there you the are, dog. You see. I'm getting <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all confused again. Yeah. Uh, she was the dog that I wrote the very first poem for and that um, inspired the show. And also there's a long, po longish poem, uh, which is a sort of love poem to Lola at the end of, of the book. Um, and and the book is a fundraiser for um, for two charities. One of which is the uh, Dogs Trust in Kenilworth, which is um, where she came as a rescue dog. Uh, yeah, where we got her from. Um, so yeah, so the the book. Can I just mention the book and um, please do? It, yeah, it's yeah, available. Yeah. Uh, so it's. It, you can buy it for two prices, either for £5 or £10, and uh, it costs £3 to produce. So um, £5 you give, you're ending up giving £2 uh, to the dog charities, or £10 you're ending up giving a magnificent £7 to the dog charities. Mm. And it's money that is very, very, very much needed, as, as, as we all realise, really. Um, and uh, it's available from my website, which is um, if you just if you just Google Matt Black Poet, you come to my website. Brand, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, well, it's interesting as we were talking there, and you you said the person who inspired yes. <laughs> because because the thing is though in the stories, and this is what drew me to mm -hmm. it to this subject matter as well. If you like, is that. Um, quite often, human beings become 
dogs. There's a lot of shape shifting going yeah, on. And yeah, as you know, yeah, Matt, I'm, yeah. you know, my my big thing is um, my my it because of my Irish heritage. I tell a lot of Irish stories, yeah. and in fact, in the show, um, I think I tell some of the Finn McCool stories and how he ends yeah, up with his yeah, dogs Bram yeah. and Skeelan. Yeah, and they're it's, it's so beautiful. Um, but I think right the way through in poetry and in stories, mythology, etc., there is this crossover between human beings and dogs and perhaps a part of us is a little bit dog-like. I mean, did you discover through doing that show and that research how much dog you are? Well, I did and... I discovered it about myself and I discovered it about other people because uh, during the show there's um, a moment where I there are various interactive bits, moments, and one of them is asking people as part of a, a quiz about dogs that takes place in the show whether they would join in some howling. And um, yeah. I still remember the very first time I did the show and – I thought, I don't know if this is going to work. It might work probably, but, you know, it's it's worth giving it a go. And I remember people get scored for their howling and they get points if they yeah. howl but were embarrassed and they get more points if they howl and just want to carry on howling. And I remember the first night I did it, I did the show, I had a drink afterwards in the bar and then I, I walked back to my uh place where i was staying and i heard howling around the streets of the small town and this was half an hour mm. later there were people still out there howling now mm. those people had found their inner dog yeah uh, you know they'd found uh, it's that sense that we, we we are humans and we are beasts aren't we uh, yes yeah yeah and yeah part of becoming full human beings is to learn how to integrate those two sides of ourselves in a way that is uh that is acceptable for society and happy mm -hmm. for us you know uh, yeah. because we have uh animal needs and wants and um yeah yeah i in, in um i'm just wondering like because in my show i actually turn into a into a dog. Well, I, <laughs> I was... remember that as a wonderful moment when you're turning into a dog, and I do. And I also remember the dog who has been come back as a uh, the judge. Yes, as well. Yes, but yes. I also remember that fabulous moment when you turn into a, jo a, a dog and you sort of you do some running across the hills. That's right. Could do you want could me to hear, do could it? Could we hear it? Yeah. yeah, I was just saying. Could yeah. we have uh, that? Well, whichever piece you want to do. I'll, I'm going to try and uh, remember that bit, that little bit, because okay. obviously the, it, it's it's full of traditional stories and mythology, but it, all of that is encased in this other kind of bigger shaggy dog story. Yeah, so it's yeah. so, <laughs> something like this. <laughs> when I woke up, something was very different. Even before I opened my eyes, I could tell that something had changed because I could smell everything. I could tell it was about to rain. I could smell it. Now I really knew what the word petrichor meant. <laughs> now, 
I wanted to sniff, sniff out everything. I could, I could smell breakfast cooking from miles away before I even opened my eyes. Now, the thing is, when I wake up in the morning, I always kind of stretch and touch my face. And when I touched my face this morning, I felt tiny spikes of hair that were on my cheeks. The thing is, as you get older, you do get a bit hairier. And I'm okay with that. I mean, it's nothing that a bit of IMAC or any other hair removal product could get rid of. But you see, something was changing. When I touched my nose, it felt wet. I opened my eyes and looked at my hands. The strangest thing was happening. My fingers began to shrink. My nails were becoming claws. My hands turned into paws. I watched as my skin began to sprout tufts of fawn-coloured hair and they ran up my arms and I wanted to swing my legs out of bed as normal. But instead, I leapt out. I leapt out on all fours. And I could see the tips of my whiskers. I had an urge to run. And I ran down the stairs and out of the front door into a city where there were no cars, no planes, no people. I was running. And the only other creatures inhabiting this world were dogs. Ah, there they were, Borzoi, Bulldog, Labradoodle, Boxer, Bloodhound, Husky, Poodle, Shaggy, Scraggy, Short-Haired, Swift, Sniffing, Wagging, Ears, Lift, The Size of a Donkey, The Size of a Rat, Lean and Skinny, Short and Fat. I'm going to I'm going to stop it there. Hey, you know what? I like that bit of music to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, I just was uh, that yeah, it, it was lovely music, but I was on a voyage of freedom. That is yeah. such a image of freedom when you turn into the dog there. I love it. I love it. And your voice just completely brings out that sense of freedom that we we sort of live slightly vicariously through our dogs sometimes i think yeah you know know, i remember matt when when that that little part of the show where i'm running with all the other dogs and and i don't know about you in terms of performance but what helps me with any performance is viscerally to feel what is happening happening what i'm describing and the feeling of running with a pack and being led yeah, actually yeah. felt great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it felt like uh, some. You know, I, 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 it was like shedding all responsibility and just being um, a, a creature of the world and following the others. It was. It was uh, it was a great experience, actually. That's um, interesting because, the, as you said that, I've just thought there's to me there's an interesting parallel between uh, what you've just described about how it is for us thinking about being a dog, and how it is for us when we're performing, which is yeah. being yeah. being in the moment, like dogs are really, and being well, at, being at play and um, yeah. Yeah, so that just crossed uh, my mind. Uh, you, and on that very note as well, um, 
you did a bit of your um, Snoopy question on Once Upon a Wednesday. And I remember Margaret Thor, shout out to the poet and storyteller Margaret Thor. She actually wrote to me after that and did exactly what you said. She she was creating the parallels or seeing the parallels between oh. dogs and being yeah and being um creative and being oh, uh, performers. yeah 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 um and i was i was really chuffed actually when when margaret wrote to me and she'd done that because i think that is true there is a kind of freedom yeah. to it yeah. now i know in your research you literally did sniff the pavements didn't you i did because well we've talked about research before haven't we but to yeah. me it's important to get things right and it's also important to find uh, just great triggers for the imagination so i wanted to try because i've been reading about the completely extraordinary abilities that dogs have for sniffing you know they can sniff yeah, out yeah. landmines and mobile phones and epilepsy and cancer and all sorts of things one rotten apple in two million barrels and I wanted to try and see what it would be like if I could train my nose or try and see the different smells that she was getting so I started I went for a walk with her and I sniffed the front hallway where she puts her lead on and I sniffed the floor and then I sniffed our brick porch and then I sniffed mm. down the garden path and then I sniffed underneath the crabapple tree out on the pavement and then I sniffed across Jane's Drive two doors down where there's an Alsatian and everywhere I sniffed I tried to conjure up the medley of smells that were being made up in that place and as the morning went on, because I did this for about three hours, ducking up and down so the neighbours couldn't see me, uh, otherwise they'd have thought I was bonkers sniffing the pavement. Um, and mm -hmm. after about an hour, an hour and a half, I could tell that my nose was actually getting better at sniffing and identifying different smells. Um, yeah. And so that was fascinating to me. Uh, and it ended up with me writing... Uh, some bits about the poem for Lola about her what she actually sniffs um mm. and trying to make that real so you know the a, an air draft of meat pie gravy drifting southwesterly mm. from number 32 and mm. the oily sweat of a worried mm. mechanic man coming from a parked van uh, mm, yeah and all those sort of details um so yeah it was just a way of getting those really yeah well, it worked really well. I mean, we're coming towards the end of this podcast now, Matt, but um, I was just wondering if there's any, you know, have you got anything up and coming around dogs? Um, you've said where we can get the book from if we go onto your website. What about the show? What about Snoopy Question? Yeah, the show will be um, out and about when we uh, when we are in a in a slightly different post-COVID world. Uh, but yes. I will be doing it live on Zoom at some point in the future. So uh, I'm probably going to be doing it in, in about 10 days, but I don't know if this podcast will be out then. But if, if it's not, don't worry. Uh, it doesn't matter when. If anybody wants to get in touch and ask when I'll be doing it, just get in touch via the website or, or I'm on Facebook and I can let them know. 
Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic. Well, thanks so much for talking to me again today. It's always great to talk to you, Matt. Yeah, and, and um, you. That's been brilliant. And I, I yeah. just want us to be back on the road. I know, I know. We, you know, <laughs> one day, one day. Oh, I know, yeah. You know, we, oh, it, we will get these shows back out. But in the meantime, take good care of Lola. I'm sure you yeah. will. And everyone you, out Maria. there. Enjoy, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 thank you so much, Matt. Um, okay. Take care of your dogs, folks. Yeah, you take and care of yourself and family. Thank you. Thank you and you. And I'll see you next time. Yeah, bro. Cheers, Matt. Bye. Bye.